Hello, this is your host, Ryan Reed, uh, for Reminisce, the Empowered Lifestyle Podcast, where we meet people at the intersection of life and impact. Today we have on the line Dr. Vanetta Rather, and she is the CEO and founder of My Sister, My Seed. She's been featured on NBC News, her organization, speaks up and empowers women, girls, and fights against sex trafficking. Um, Dr. Rather, if you could just um, share a little bit more about your organization, um, the people would love to hear what you do and how you show up authentically. Oh, thank you. And thank you, Ryan, for inviting me on your show. Um, yes, I started a nonprofit, My Sister, My Seed, um, to empower women and girls and to fight sex trafficking. Um, my, a little bit about my background is I am a preacher, and for several years I have been a youth pastor in the Washington metropolitan area. I've served churches in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. And as a youth pastor, I found out that um, sex trafficking was something that was destroying the lives of very young girls, the average age of a girl who is um, at risk of being trafficked or who is trafficked is 12 to 14 years old. And so when I learned about this, um, it was just something I couldn't let go. So I just started to educate myself on sex trafficking and seeing what I could do to um, empower girls or to um, do prevention and awareness work for girls and to help girls who have already been victimized by sex trafficking. So in um, 2013, um, we started, I started My Sister, My Seed um, to do that. And what we do is um, we understand that um, the best defense that a girl has against manipulating traffickers, because that's the tactic that they use to um, ensnare girls in what, what is really modern-day slavery is that they use manipulation and they look for girls who have low self-esteem or girls who um, are really disconnected or have um, instability in their families. And they target these girls because they know that there's this void in them that they can feel or they can um, act as if they're fulfilling that void for them and get girls um, trapped um, into thinking that this man or the person who is trafficking them cares really deeply about them. And so girls who um, really are looking for love and attention and affection really are um, more vulnerable to these kind of tactics. So what we try to do is empower girls with self-esteem and self-love and so that they will know their worth so that these tactics are less likely to work on them. A girl who has a healthy sense of self is least likely to be victimized by trafficking. And so what we try to do is educate and, aware, and make the community aware. Um, we go into schools and to churches and to community organizations to do this kind of training. Um, we also work with girls who have already been victimized by sex trafficking, and we partner with organizations that house girls or have shelters for girls or have drop-in centers for girls who have been victims of sex trafficking. And we do um, what we call Survivor's Day Out for them, where we take girls out for painting classes, take girls out for manicure, pedicure, just anything to let them know that they are not the experience that has happened to them and that the community cares about them and somebody loves them and wants to invest in them still. So those are the things that um, we do. And in... um, trying to build self-esteem in girls, I realized that there are a lot of grown women who 
also um, suffer from a lack of confidence and who suffer from low self-esteem. So we also try to build up girls um, and build up adult women also who um, struggle in this area too. So that's what My Sister Mercy was created for, and that's kind of what we do. Well, that's fantastic. So um, you also previously published a book, Defiant Women of Faith, and how does yes. that topic of being a defiant woman also impact the work that you do? Yeah, and this Defiant Women of Faith is a book that um, I published at the end of last year and came out in 2018. It's the second book that um, I've written. My first book was called All the Single Ladies, and um, God has just really given me a heart and a passion and a ministry for women and girls, and so um, that's all the time who I'm writing to and who I have on my mind and on my heart. And so that's why I write these books that cater to women and try to empower women. And Defiant Women of Faith is a book that I wrote because um, in this modern world that we live in, it's it's sad to say that patriarchy and um, sexism still has deep roots in our society and so what I try to do with Define Women of Faith is to let women know that if you are going to be everything you were created to be, if you are going to reach um, and live the life that God really destined and designed for you to live, that you do have to kind of buck the systems. You have to um, not um, stay following the status quo. You have to um, push boundaries if you're going to be and live the authentic life that um, God created us to live. So I try to let women know that there are a lot of faith traditions and there are a lot of systems that tell women you have to stay at a certain place and you can't do this. And we live in a world where we're still seeing that women are, um, we're still hearing that this is the first woman to hold this position or this is the first woman of color to get this position. And in this modern world, we shouldn't be still having these firsts for women. So if we're going to advance and live the lives that we know we were created to live in, that we have skill and ability um, to walk in um, and to work in in these spaces and these places, we do have to buck the system. We have to be defined. We have to take risks. And that's the reason that I wrote the book. And that's just not true in corporate America, in, in politics. It's true in the church, too, because the membership of the church, of any given church, is um, – predominantly women. Women make up the most membership in any church, but we're not represented in leadership in that same way. And so we have to make sure that our leadership in every area um, reflects um, who we are and reflects, you know, really um, what the um, population looks like. And when as, as long as we are underrepresented, we have to make sure that we are defying rules so generations of women behind us won't continue to live beneath their potential as well. Correct. This um, topic of being a defiant woman actually reminds me a lot of one of the writers uh, for issue two of my magazine, Reminisce Empowered Lifestyle Magazine. She actually lived in Cameroon, and her family um, wants her to marry. He, they want to do a arranged marriage to a man who already has four wives. And um, her family is actually abusive to her because she won't go and she won't stay 
um, at the man's house, and the man pays the family money, you know, or and gives them gifts. So it's kind of like culturally, um, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just take the money, and then the woman goes to the man and stays with her forever. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, she has been running away from her own family. So, but at the same time, she loves her family. So she's going through culturally uh, emotional damage on both sides because she loves her family, and but she also knows that the cultural rules are are not what is best for her and other women mm-hmm. in her culture. So um, she actually also founded, even though she's still in the system, you know, that she hates and is not good for her, she still founded an organization similar to yours just in Cameroon um, to help Mm -hmm. other women like her. So, you know, it goes deep from the church to each individual family and how Mm -hmm. families need to also become reflective and uh, start being safe havens for women to empower women uh, to see their self-worth. And then, you know, also, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. I'm not saying that it's an easy fight, and, and certainly from our sister in Cameroon, mm-hmm. it's certainly it's a hard battle. And sometimes we do come to those places where we come to this fork in the road and we have to make a decision. And a lot of times, unfortunately, women have been conditioned and taught to um, put other people first, to put our families first, to put all these things before us and follow tradition and don't rock the boat and don't make waves. And what we have to learn to do is understand that we matter and we have to put ourselves first. So, and I know, and I know that feeling she must be going through a feeling torn between trying to yes. stay connected with her family, mm-hmm. following her own path, and knowing what's right in her own heart. I know that is a struggle for her, and um. You know, I would just start praying for her, but it is mm-hmm. we often find ourselves in those difficult decisions where we come to this fork in the road, and I just pray that more women will not feel the guilt that society and family puts on us when we decide to choose ourselves because that's what happens. Instead of having family support to say, okay, well, you feel led to do your life another way, um, some we don't always have families that do that for us or you know, business partners or a society that, you know, tells us it's okay to put ourselves first. We more so have people say, well, you you have to do this, and we've been doing this for centuries and, and all of that. And, and so we have to be okay and not give in to that guilt feeling that we've been conditioned to feel when we put ourselves first, because it's not wrong to put ourselves first. Even the Bible says that, and I'm not trying to get all spiritual, but the Bible's the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And you can't do any of that kind of loving if you don't love yourself, if you don't understand your own value, your worth, and that God did not put us here to, to please people. Um, or to put others before us. He said love others as you love self, not before you love self. And so um, it's, it's a difficult fight, especially when you've been conditioned to think one way and when the whole society, like our sister in Cameroon, thinks that way, it's hard to, to put yourself first. But she is bold and brave 
to yes, at least be in the fight. You know, she's at least in that fight, and she understands that it's not right. And so we'll just hopefully pray her through because it is a fight out mm-hmm. here. Even in America, we have those same mm-hmm. kind of family traditions and systems mm-hmm. that keep women back and make us feel this guilt that, you know, we are wrong if we choose our own paths and we are not. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm definitely um, I'm proud of her. She even um, has traveled to the U.S. at times, and, you know, just that is is a feat in itself. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, she, she, she consistently reminds me, you know, it's a process that she's going through um, mm-hmm. to get her freedom. Even though she's not technically enslaved, she, she is because she mm-hmm. can't be um, everything that she wants to be at all times. So, well, you, you know, tell her someone is encouraged by her fight because I'm certainly just encouraged hearing that she is in that struggle and, and you let her know she's encouraging people. So I hope she continues. Yes. And, um, you know, it also comes back to families here in the U.S. and how um, child molestation is prevalent at times and we don't always get the children the help that they need um, even in families, you know, there'll be someone who's molested and then the family member is who did the act is just allowed to go on in life and nothing ever happened to them. But the child, especially a female, too, just mm-hmm. suffers um, without yeah. the help. And it, it also speaks to how women just don't matter as much as they should and how society and systems don't value women because in America there's a lot of um, sexual trauma that happens to very young people, young women. Not saying that it doesn't happen to young men. It does happen to young men as well, but it happens at a greater rate for young women in this country Mm -hmm. than it does um, and across the world um, than it does for um, for men, and in, in America, um, one in three girls is molested by the age of 18, and the girls, girls who are um, 12 to 16 years old are the most raped um, demographic in, in among all women groups. Girls 12 to 16 are the most raped um, demographic in this nation, and we know that girls who are five years old are least like or are most likely to be fondled at that age. They're most likely to be fondled at five years old. So there's a lot of trauma that happens to young girls. And then the the reality is a lot of and this isn't these aren't new statistics. These are things that have been happening in this country for years. But family, you know, will mm-hmm. quiet it down a lot of times because. A, 80, 70, 80 percent of the sexual trauma that happens to young people is by a family member or a close friend, and it often happens in the home. And so we have these traditions in family where girls, no matter, we're going to keep that quiet, we're going to deal with that in the family. This girl doesn't get any help. She grows up to be this woman who has all this trauma inside of her, never had any um, dealing opportunities to deal with it, to have it treated. And so we have a lot of um, grown women walking around um, abused and um, walking around not able to live out their full potential because they're walking around with all these scars. And one of the um, um, quotes that really helped 
me shape my organization is that quote that says, um, little girls with dreams grow up to be women with vision. And in doing this work, I understand that that's not always true because, one, little girls can't dream a lot of times because they're too busy living a nightmare. And a lot Mm. of times women, all women who grow up, can't live out a vision for their lives because they have these scars that haven't been dealt with where family, people they trusted, initial caregivers, you know, didn't protect them in a way that made them feel safe and whole and, you know, able to, you know, thrive in the world. And so we have a lot of wounded women, a lot of traumatized girls, you know, walking around, and and we're just trying to – my organization and my mission and my ministry is just trying to um, just protect women and encourage women and girls in that way. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're building stronger families um, and stronger communities because then the women are able to go out and be themselves and give back to the community, you know, what God intended them to do. So, yeah. It's a, it's a very powerful mission that you are on, um, and I can feel it in your voice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do so, tend to get a little passionate when I start talking about this. They are close to my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's so needed and it's so important. Um, just like I was sharing, you know, one of my friends in Cameroon and then, you know, also in my own family um, there's women that have been abused um, sexually as children. And, you know, I think because of the time um, and how things are progressing, they didn't always have those outlets. Mm-hmm. Um, even even knowing just where to go to ask for help, they didn't, there was like no path that was set up. So, you know, right. um, it's a blessing that there's organizations like yours that now people can go to and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Um, or And also not just what I'm feeling, sometimes they don't even know that they're feeling it because <laughs> they don't know how to process what's going on. Mm-hmm. But some, some a safe place to go to deal with that emotional trauma. So or just to hear that, you know, somebody else, like this, your issue and your situation is is not you're not experiencing that alone. Like there's a whole tribe. Right, of right. You have a whole tribe that understands what you're going through and can help you process through that. Because so so often, you know, I know especially back in the day, that's what we told women: suck it up, you you know, be strong, and you know, it. it almost as if it's a sign of weakness if you need to express or if you say or if you cry about it or if you need to um, vocalize that this has happened to you. We, we, these messages that we give women, to, you know, to keep quiet about it or, or when women come out, like in this Me Too movement, a lot of times when women come out and, and they haven't, this experience happened to them years ago, the first thing they're, is done with them a lot of times is their question, well, why didn't you come out a long time ago? Why, didn't you, why are you just saying something now mm-hmm. as if there's some suspicion to this woman making right. this claim? So women aren't believing all the trauma that that does on top of the trauma that these women already mm-hmm. went through. It's just 
too much sometimes. And so we have to get to a point where we allow women to not call them weak or not be suspicious and not ask questions like, well, what were you wearing when this happened to you? I mean, not making it seem like the woman's fault that this happened to her, like she's somehow um, a co-conspirator in the blame for Mm -hmm. what happened to her. Mm -hmm. We just have to change the entire conversation and understand that, you know, we can do better by women than what we are doing. And women can do better because, Women, we are guilty of a lot of this too. Right, right. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, not. Um, I know. You know, me personally, I have been sexually assaulted before, and uh, I remember coming home and just laying on the floor, and I did not move all day. And this was like in the middle of my living room at my parents' house. So you know, my dad was walked by. <laughs> And, you know, no no fault to him. You know, he was just like, you know, you need to get up. Like, why are you being so lazy? And, you know, I did not uh, express to him what happened until years later, like you were saying. I didn't tell him. And But when I did, you know, he, he felt so bad. And I was like, Dad, you know, don't <laughs> don't hurt, you know, don't take it so hard. You know, this is what happened. And... That's that's what it yeah. is. So you know, and that was that was free. It was freeing to me, you know, that I could finally talk. But I didn't share anything because of him. I just I was processing what happened. You know, I just did. You feel like you did. You couldn't. You couldn't share. What were the reasons why you felt like you couldn't share? Like you didn't want to um, share because I didn't know all the details. Like I, re, I there was a lot of times where I was blacking out. I think. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would remember some stuff and then other stuff would just disappear from my mind. I was like, well, this was happening, and then I don't remember what happened after that. So it was like, mm-hmm. you if, if you sound crazy, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people don't talk about it because it's not a complete story. And, uh, and you're like, yeah, and but... You- you worried about whether you were would be believed because your story wasn't clear and cut yeah. and dry. That, yeah, and I right. and I and I get that, and I'm and I and and my heart goes out for that because we have to. We should be creating a world where women feel safe and where women are believed when we mm-hmm. express each other. Whether you have all the story together or not excuse me, whether Mm -hmm. you were able to articulate it, whether you had on hot pants, whether you were drinking, whatever it is, you know, none of that. And we know from studies, we know that none of that gives a violator permission to touch you. And so once we get women to understand that this is not your fault, and once we get society to understand what, regardless of the situation, you don't. No one has permission to touch a woman against her right. will or without her consent. You know, and we have to change the narrative. You know, so people understand this, and they just don't. Women don't. Men don't. And to create mm-hmm. a safer world, which is our goal, and that's the mission of my system. I see to create a safer and a more just world for women and girls. We have to change the narrative where women are concerned. We are bold. We are able. We are capable. We're not liars when it comes to sexual trauma. It is out here, and it happens at a greater rate against women. And we have to, mm-hmm. to create this kind of world. We have to really, 
deconstruct how we look at, as a society, how we look at women and girls. Yeah, it's definitely a, a mindset shift that needs to happen, you know, and um, I'm glad that I finally uh, shared it with my dad and my mother as well, you know, because I know that she was molested when she was about three years old. So it's not like I was sharing to somebody who who didn't experience it, but you know, I think it was internally, like I was just processing everything mm-hmm. and I just I just didn't share, you know. Mm-hmm. I love my parents. I feel like, you know, I could talk to them about anything, but it's 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 traumatic. It's a traumatic mm-hmm. experience and everybody heals at their own rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a blessing to have again your organization and other people who are giving that space to women to process. Thank you. Absolutely. I agree. It's 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 needed. Mhm. So, um if there are women that are listening on the line right now, what kind of advice would you give them or or resources could you give them to reach out to to begin their healing process? Well, so I would say first that um, they can look online. There are if women, there are um, sexual assault crisis hotlines, um, sex trafficking hotlines. So there's a plethora of um, resources that women and girls can get if they're experiencing sex trafficking or sexual trauma or domestic violence or anything like that. But I would say first, you know, find someone that you can confide with and 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 that you trust that can hold space for you that's that's a very important thing and whether that's a teacher whether that's a friend whether that's a parent because the one thing we have to do as women is is to make sure we're not carrying these burdens alone and so you know after finding resources online that you can go to because there are a lot of free resources out here 24-hour hotlines that can that you can talk to. So if you don't have any um, one that you trust, and you can trust with something as um, valuable and sensitive as as experiencing a trauma, and then you could call these hotlines. But if you have somebody in your life that you trust that you know will hold space for you, that you know will not um, you know tell or would not blame you or would not help you or in uh, in do any more re-injuring to you than confiding that person because they can help you walk through these steps as well. And so I would begin just right there, you know, finding some money. And, and if that's some money in the church, a lot of times people can go to the church with sexual trauma because the church sometimes is just unwilling or or not in a position for whatever reason to handle these issues. It's sad to say but um, it it is the truth, and we need to do better as a religious in our religious institutions to make churches safe places for women and um, women and girls. But we know the church is not comfortable talking about sex all the time. We even know that there are preachers who have been arrested in the Washington metropolitan area in Ohio mm-hmm. for um, trafficking girls. So it may not be the safest place. But I guarantee that, you know, these hotline numbers are places that um, that are great resources that 
put you into touch with all of the other wraparound resources that you need um, because a lot of times you just don't need to talk about it. You need a place to stay. You may right. need, you may be homeless. You may need a warm bed. You may need food and social service, other, other kind of social services. And that's what these places are for. So I would recommend that somebody who's feeling, you know, um, who've, who've experienced this kind of trauma in their lives to, to reach out and contact these organizations because that's what they're there for. Our organization um, does a lot of prevention and awareness education. We're not staffed, unfortunately, to give all the wraparound services that women need who experience this trauma. We do um, our three pillars are to empower and edu- um, to educate, to empower, and to um, advocate. To do um, to be a voice for women, to do advocacy, um, speaking on behalf of women on different issues. So we're a very small nonprofit, but we do our part in trying to make sure women that we're doing the internal work for women, so they will be empowered, they will know their worth, they will know that they matter, and then doing mm-hmm. the other educational pieces that we do. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one of the big reasons why the church um, has difficulty, at least um, definitely in the African-American church, which I am a, um, a member of, um, mm-hmm. is that they haven't processed. They've been dealing with the same thing. Like I was saying, you know, my mother was molested when she was like uh, two years old, and that happened for a while and then, you know, when the incident happened to me, it's sometimes it's generational. So the people don't have the outlet. No one's actually had the opportunity to heal. So mm-hmm. if and you are, like you said, you're opening up the wounds and you're hurting other people. And the hurt, it just keeps on getting passed around. So even in the church, we, we definitely need to start actually doing the healing so that we can help one another. Um, Go ahead. And the church also has to understand, when we look at the fact, the reality that um, um, that young girls and women who are abused, a lot of times this trauma, especially when it happens to young people, is happening in the home. We have to understand that the victim and those who prey on these kids – are both in our pews. We have the, the, right, the right, person right. who has been abused and the one who has abused them. And until the church acknowledges that and start preaching and teaching and lifting up that all of this trauma is happening within these homes and deal with that, we can't make our religious institutions safe places and places where people feel um, safe enough or secure enough to come, which they should be able to, but they're not because the church has hasn't gotten real with um, right, this reality. Right. That is definitely yeah. true. So um, I want to end by just thanking you for all the work that you do, as well as sharing some phone numbers that people can use to reach out if they need help. The National Human Trafficking Resource Center phone number is one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. And you can also text the word HELP or INFO to 233733. And that's open 24 hours, seven days a week. They have 
more than 200 languages um, that you can um, speak to someone that definitely speaks the language that you speak. Um, also, the sexual, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is also 24 hours, and the number is one eight zero zero six five six four six seven three. And if you use Google, they actually have an online chat set up right online, so you can talk to someone there. And then the National Domestic Violence Hotline is one eight zero zero seven nine nine seven two three three, or the word safe. And they also have supports for deaf and hard of hearing um, individuals. Um, so please, if you need um, some relief, if you need help, please use those numbers and reach out to someone that you can that can help. Um, my sister, myc.org is a place that you can also go and they can direct you to um, the persons that can help you as well. So thank you, Dr. Vanetta Rathers, for all that you do and taking time to talk about your story and the stories of women and how you empower girls, women, and fight against sex trafficking. Well, thank you, Ryan, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. All right.